0: Christmas again, everybody. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. I'm from home. Uh, Man, this has been a weird year. and this it's a weird Christmas for a lot of us, but I'm just glad we are here. This is my favorite holiday, personally. I'm going to be honest. It's uh, the best holiday. I mean, you get gifts. You get to give gifts. It's great great stuff to do. So, Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, My question for you as we start, have you ever hoped to get something for Christmas, but you didn't get it? Maybe it was when you were a child or maybe um, you heavily hinted to your spouse and your spouse just too dumb to pick up on those hints. And you really hoped you were going to get something and it didn't come true. For a lot of us, that has happened. Um, But it's it's not fun when that happens, but it's not the worst thing to ever happen, right? Like there's the worst things that can happen. I actually think there's something that's worse than hoping for something and not getting it. That is hoping that the gift you're about to give somebody, that they will really love it and they don't. I have a story for you, and my wife knows the story. <laughs> so here's the story I have to tell you. This is, my f- this is one of my favorite stories to tell, and my wife hates it, so um, I apologize, Erica. I, I did not warn you. I was telling the story. Anyways, okay. Uh, my wife's a teacher, okay? So she, as a teacher, she gets a lot of gifts. Some gifts she really likes, some gifts um, not so much. And just so, just so you know, I know it's probably too late for, your, for all you parents out here or parents watching home for your teachers, but... Teachers want gift cards or cash. The only two things they need, okay? They don't need any other presents, just gift cards if you're thinking for your, for your uh, kids' teachers. Anyways, my wife, she gets all these different presents and a lot of times she takes these presents that she doesn't necessarily like and we have a box just for presents she doesn't like. She puts those presents in there and then if something comes up where we have to give a present to somebody, then what we do is we go through that box And we say, okay, what's in here that we don't want that we can now give to somebody? And sometimes what we do is, like, if we're buying a gift for somebody, we will grab one of those gifts out of there and just add it to that gift. So we're at my parents' house, and my wife um, decides, hey, I have this candle that I don't really like. Um, She doesn't like food-smelling candles, only non-food-smelling candles. I've learned over the years that it's a waste time for me to buy candles that smell like cherries. She doesn't like that. So whenever she gets that, she's like, I don't know what to do with it. So... One year, she's like, I'm just going to give it to your mom. I think she likes this kind of candles. With The present we already got or we'll just wrap it together. So Christmas comes, and my mom opens the candle, and my mom's like, oh, thanks. I really like it. And guilt got to my wife because she knew she just regifted that. So she had to tell my mom what about this candle, why she got it. She said, listen, I, I'm sorry. Um, we got that gift. I got that gift as, as a teacher, and I just didn't really – Enjoy it. I, I, I don't like food smelling ones. I didn't like it that much. I thought it was pretty ugly. So I'm giving it to you. Don't, I don't care. If you don't like it, it's fine. It doesn't matter to me because I didn't like it, which is why I gave it to you. It's more of just an extra thing. Don't worry about it. All the while, my sister's there and she's watching and she has a present for Erica. And wouldn't you know it, it's not the same scent of a candle, it's not the same look of a candle, it's the exact same candle. So just imagine my sister's thinking of what to buy. My wife's like, well, she likes candles. I'll go to the store. Oh, this is the perfect candle for Erica. She wraps it up. She puts a bone. She's so excited. And she's giddy to give it to Erica. Then all she hears is Erica tell my mom unfiltered how much she's going to hate the present she's about to get. I don't, I didn't want that. It's worse. Terrible. And then Jessica has to give this gift to Erica. She opens it and it's the exact same candle. Oh man, it's the funniest thing that's ever happened to me on Christmas. My brother and I, I think my brother shares that story. If, yeah, he shares it every year at Christmas Eve. He shares that. I can't believe I haven't shared it. He reminded me, so blame Shane for that. But there's times where we hope for something. Hope is a tricky thing. Here's what hope really is. Hope is trusting and expecting for a certain thing to happen. That's what hope is. Trusting or, and expecting that a certain thing is gonna happen. I hope for Christmas I'm going to get this. I hope for Christmas this is going to happen. Or I hope she will say yes. I hope he will do what he promised. I hope the Ravens win the next two games and either Miami or the Colts or Cleveland lose one of the two so we can go on a run. I hope the Steelers find a way to beat one of those teams. Whatever you hope for, we all have different hopes, right? Hope for something. Hope is trusting and expecting for a certain thing to happen. That is hope. And hope is tricky because we all need hope. All of us need it, we all want hope, and when we don't have hope, it starts to rob us of something. Not only does it rob us of our peace, but it also will start to rob us of our purpose in life. When we don't have hope, it can start to rob us of our meaning in life. When we don't have hope, it can start to rob us of the calling that God has given us, or ultimately, if we go a long enough period without any hope, it's going to rob us of our faith. Hope, it's tricky. The story of so many people that I know that used to believe in Christianity or Jesus or God or whatever you want to say, and don't anymore, I have a lot of friends that are in that camp, and family members in that camp, their stories aren't all about this major traumatic event that happened to them that caused them to doubt and eventually fall away. Sometimes it is, but most time it's not. Most of the time their, their stories are something like this. I used to go to church. I grew up in a Christian household. Then over time, over time, I just eventually didn't believe as much until I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I don't think I believe this anymore. It's almost like they outgrew it. Like, they used to believe, now they don't, and they don't really know what happened in between, but they just know one thing. I don't believe this anymore. Sure, people have stories of pain that caused them to doubt, that led them there. Sure, people have stories of of things that they don't understand, which led them to abandon their faith, that happens. But most of the time, it's simply this. I used to believe, and now I just don't. I just don't believe it anymore. That may be your story. That may be you, that you used to believe, but you simply don't anymore. You have your reasons. Maybe they're based on what you believe is true and what you believe is not true. Maybe it's based on some philosophical dilemma that you could not get around. Maybe it was based on a personal circumstance that I would never understand. No matter what, you may be left here or you're going towards a path and you can feel it in you that's like, I just don't know if I believe this anymore. I'm trying, but I just don't know if I believe. And I get it. I understand how this happens. Here's what I have learned over the years of my doubt, over the years of me not knowing if I actually believe this anymore, over the time periods that I've spent struggling and wrestling with different philosophical and truths and, and different things that have me, here's what I've learned. No matter what you believe, whether you're here and you fully believe all this stuff, whether you're here because um, your family made you come, whether you're watching at home because you have to, or whether you don't believe at all, you're just kind of checking this out. No matter who you are, there is one thing that all of us want in life meaning we all want this life to mean something what we do to mean something whether you believe in a higher power and christmas and jesus or you don't we all want meaning and purpose in life we all want this life to have some kind of meaning, to have some kind of purpose so whether you believe in that god or not we all want that searching for meaning and purpose that's hope it's hoping that there is a reason this for this life And a reason for what is happening for what has happened to you we cannot cope with in life without this idea of hope needing this to mean something and if you hold a nihilistic view which means that everything is meaningless we're here by chance everything here is just happened to happen and nothing means anything i don't matter my job doesn't matter there is no higher power there is no ultimate plan it's all random chaotic meaningless even with that view There's a paradox, with this nihilistic view. Because you can hold that view and you can't do anything. If you hold that view, you eventually are going to want to still fall in love or have a job or be your healthiest version. That if even though life is meaningless, there's still things that you give meaning to, but why if everything is meaningless? Why would there be any meaning in anything if everything is meaningless? But yet, we can have a nihilistic view and still... Think and know there's still something. I mean, that's why I get up. That's why I want to do a job. That's why I want to fall in love. That's why I want to be faithful. That's why I want to be considered a good person. There is something in us deep down, no matter what you believe, no matter how much of this you believe, there's something in us deep down that grasps onto this hope, to meaning, to purpose. And what I would argue as you could probably guess, knowing my profession, what I would argue is the reason why all of us, deep down inside of us, no matter what we believe, still have this idea of hope, still want this this life to mean something, still want purpose, still want to live out a calling. The reason why we all do that, it's not a byproduct of meaningless things colliding. It's not a byproduct of evolution. It is proof that we are created for more. See, I believe the desire for hope proves a desire for more. And the fact that we want more, that we hope for something in our life, shows that there is more in this life. That you may not believe in Christianity, you may be struggling to believe in Christianity, but the fact that you look for hope and meaning in life proves that there is something that gives us meaning in life. The questions we all ask, why are we here? Where do I go from here? What is the point in life? What is the meaning of life? Those questions come out of a desire for more. Where does that desire come from if everything is meaningless? I would argue it comes from something more. Here's how C.S. Lewis would say it. He says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Here's what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter three. He says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. The reason we search for hope is because we're searching for him. That's why we search for it. And I believe that there are times in history where God shows up and God interrupts us to remind us that he is the God who can fulfill that hope that we need. That he can fulfill the desire for meaning, that he can show us love and hope and forgiveness and grace. And there are times in our lives and there's times in the history of this world that he shows up and interrupts the plans that are happening to show you that there is hope. And Christmas is one of those times. It's one of those times in history where God interrupts our plans to prove that we have hope. So if you your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter one. We're going to be reading the Christmas story or your Bible apps. We're going to start in verse 26, a story that you all know but it's a story of God interrupting our lives to give us hope. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Did you catch what Gabriel said to Mary the one who is highly favored. Remember that, it's important. Highly favored, tuning on in verse 30. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. There's just one problem with this plan. That Gabriel is saying. A problem that's very apparent to Mary, and she just addresses it in the next verse. Here's what Mary says. How will this be since I am a virgin? I mean, put yourselves in Mary's shoes here. She's engaged to Joseph, but she's not married. She's a virgin. She is not pregnant. She doesn't want to be pregnant. She's she's hasn't done i don't know if you've taken a biology class, but you normally can't be a virgin and be pregnant, right? That normally doesn't happen. So she, everything is changing for Mary quickly. Think of all the plans that Mary probably had. Think she was engaged to Joseph. She was going to marry Joseph. Most likely, Mary was going to, and they were going to have kids. And hopefully in that culture, you had boys because boys back then were the ones that carried on, on your family heritage. So hopefully that happened. And then Mary would probably stay in Galilee forever and we would not know anything about Mary. She would just be another person in our history that we don't know about. That's, that was Mary's plan. And living an ordinary, normal life and then all of a sudden, Gabriel shows up. He shows up and tells her, hey, you are highly favored and everything for you is about to change. She asks, how, that, how can this be? And here's how the angel answers in verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, the relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God, for nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, listen to Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary is highly favored, but her circumstances have completely changed. Her plans completely interrupted. But she chose that even in the interruption, even in the confusion, even though she doesn't know what's coming next, she chose to still place her hope into what she does not fully understand yet, to where she doesn't know she's going. And you know the rest of the story. Joseph and Mary, they they travel back to Bethlehem. Um, Back then, uh, a a census was being taken, and Joseph had to go back to his hometown, and that was Bethlehem. So they're going back to Bethlehem. Um, She happens to be very close to giving birth. So Mary goes with them. Um, not like the plan, right? Even though Mary was highly favored, she wasn't expecting to travel to Bethlehem to have a baby. So the circumstances don't really say that she's highly favored, but Gabriel said that she was. So they go there and then you know the story. When then she gets there, there's no room in the inn. She gets there and she's, hey, we want a room. And there's no room. So we got to go to a barn. And I don't know if you've if you've ever had kids, you had a plan for how you're going to have a kid. You did not have a plan of having it in a bunch of hay. That was not your plan. So Mary, who is highly favored, who's about to give birth to the Son of God, who's about to give birth to that Messiah that Frank was talking about, that that, that they were waiting for forever, is about to do it in a barn. She's highly favored, but her circumstances don't make it seem like she is. It sure doesn't seem like she is. And that Jesus is born. And when he's born, King Herod hears about it. And he knows that, that Jesus', Jesus guy is a, is a threat to his throne. So he goes, well, we got to do something about this because we don't want him to come and take over my job. So he says, I'm going to make sure that every boy two and under is dead in Bethlehem to make sure that this baby that they're all waiting for doesn't overthrow me. Mary and Joseph hear about it, and they get out of there as fast as they can. But, Joseph, but uh, King Herod eventually does what he says he's going to do. Kills all the babies, two, all the boys, two and under, in Bethlehem. So even though Mary got out of there and, and, and she was lucky enough to have Jesus, that Jesus wasn't murdered, she's highly favored, and her circumstances sure don't seem like it. Sure don't seem like it. Then Jesus grows up. He does his ministry. He shows us the best way to live. And here's what's amazing about the ministry of Jesus. Again, whether you believe any of this or not, we are still trying to catch up to the things that Jesus taught us. We're still trying to catch up to it. I mean, the, over the past couple years, we have seen things um, in different movements that have, have elevated women's status, right? You know who the first person to do that was? Jesus. We've been trying to catch up to him ever since. To elevate people of all races to an equal standing, we're still trying to catch up to him. He, he gave a message that was so radical in his time that we are still trying to live out, we still have trouble living out. He did his ministry. He showed us the best way to live. He taught us truths, and then eventually he's arrested. And then Mary, highly favored Mary, has to watch as her son is tortured, beaten, and crucified. She doesn't know the end of the story at this point. We do. We know the end of the story. But Mary doesn't know. All she knows is that her son, the Messiah, is dead, was killed. Her life, her highly favored life, was completely full of chaos, pain, and interruptions. None of it she planned for. Our lives are full of interruptions for all of us. This year was a complete interruption in every plan we had, wasn't it? It was a complete interruption. Our lives are full of interruptions. The doctor call that changes everything. It interrupts your entire life, that call that comes. The, the talk with your spouse that things came out that you didn't know were going to come out, that completely changed everything. It interrupted your entire life, that one conversation. The report from your kid's school completely changes where you're going, interrupts your life. That, that conversation with your boss completely changes everything. Life is full of interruptions. It's full of interruptions to your plans. And these interruptions hurt. These interruptions are confusing. These interruptions might leave some of you thinking, where are you? Because this is not the way I planned it. This isn't the way I thought it was going to go. These interruptions may have damaged your faith. It may have even destroyed your faith. But deep down, even with all the interruptions in your life, even with all the change of plans that you've had to deal with, even with everything going incorrectly according to what you thought was gonna happen, even in all that deep down, you still search for hope. It might be at the bottom of your soul, it might just be a little bit left, but you still desire and hope for and search for hope, for meaning, for purpose, for peace. And the reason you search for hope is that deep down in the bottom of of your soul, you know there's something more, there's something more than you, there's something more than that interruption, there's something more in life. And I have good news for you, Christmas tells us that there is hope beyond the interruptions. There is hope beyond the confusion. That there is a point, there is a purpose, there is a meaning, and there is a hope for you. Because Christmas is the time that God interrupted our entire world to show up in it so that he could save the entire world. And God is continually interrupting our world to show up in your lives and in my life, so that when you search for that hope, you can actually find it. Will you get all the answers in life? No. Will it all make sense to you? No. But you know deep down that there is more to this life, and I am here to tell you that that more that we constantly search for is inviting you into a relationship with him. That more that's deep down in our soul, that even though all the interruptions have happened, even all the doubts, even all the questions that you have, even all the things you're not sure about, you're not sure how much the Bible is sure, you're not sure about a lot of things, even with all those things, that more that you continually search for, that all of us continually search for, is reaching out to you. What a lot of us do is that more we're looking for, we fill it with what the world has to offer us, and then we're left wanting more. There's only one thing that can truly satisfy you, and that's what Christmas is. It's God coming to our level so that he can save us. The desire for hope proves a desire for more, and more importantly, the desire for hope proves a desire to be saved, to be saved from yourself. And I'm here to tell you, Christmas of the worst year of all of our lives, that you can find that hope you've been searching for. It's not a mystery. It's not hidden from you. It's constantly inviting you. That hope for more is here. And it is given freely to you. You don't have to earn that thing you've been searching for. But Christmas is where God says, there's that gap between myself and and my people and us, that gap that is there because of our sin, because of what we have done wrong. And Christmas says, I'm going to do something about it. I'm not going to make them do something about it. I'm going to show up in their lives. I'm going to show them that no matter what, there is hope for them. Now I'm going to come down to their level. I'm going to take the weight of their sin and I'm going to die on a cross for it. And three days later, I'm going to come back to life to prove that the debt is paid. You can have the more you've been searching for. You can have the hope you've been searching for. All you have to do is accept it. It's here. So here's what I'm going to do as we get ready to close and we're going to play a closing song and let you guys get back to your Christmas Eve celebrations. I'm not going to ask you to do to stand up or to raise a hand or anything like that. Here's what I'm going to ask. If you are here or you're watching at home and that more you've been looking for, you want to accept it, I'm simply going to lead you in a prayer, in a prayer that can give you that hope that you've been looking for. There's nothing about this prayer that's, that's special or magical. This prayer is a way for you to communicate with the God of the universe, that you trust in him, and that you want to place your hope not in things of this world, not in yourself, but in him, the only one that can fulfill us. So I want to invite you, whether you're at home or here, to pray this prayer along with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. I believe in you. I believe that you died for my sins. Help me to follow you. I turn from my old self to become new in you. In your son's name I pray, amen. So here's what I want to encourage you as we, before we sing this last song, a song that, that you all know. If you said that prayer, and this is something you've been struggling with, this need for, for hope, You said that prayer for the first time or the hundredth time. And you are looking for whatever that next step is in your life. I want to encourage you to talk to somebody. As you leave, the host team will be be out in the hallway. You can tell one of them. You can let me know that you've said that. We want to help you with that next step. Because salvation is not the the end of the road. It's just the beginning. So if that is you and you made that, that decision for the first time or maybe the 10th or 20th time and you want to know what your next step is, come find one of us. We would love to help you with that next step. I want to encourage everyone to stand as we sing this closing song together.